up? It's the rant. My name is Jeff Brackley, but it is Monday, November 8th. What the hell was that? Seriously, what was that? Week 9 NFL. Wow, what a train wreck. What a crazy day that I guess we do have to unpack. So let's dive into this. The biggest takeaways here uh, from week 9. Forgettable week that it was. But we'll start with Cleveland and Cincinnati. I tell you what, Nick Chubb is a stud. He's a stud. In a week where not much went as we expected it to go, Nick Chubb went exactly as we expected and hoped he would go, uh, and that is off. He went bonkers in this one, uh, running for 137 yards on 14 carries. Love that right there. Two touchdowns, one long touchdown. Caught a long pass, too, which, well, not that long, but over 20 yards. I think it was a 24-yarder, which is uncharacteristic of Nick Chubb, but I'll take it. Two for 26 as a receiver. Uh, That's a 30-burger for Nick Chubb and PPR. Donovan Peoples-Jones did catch a long touchdown, but he only had three targets here. I don't want anything to do with this passing game. Uh, With Odell Beckham Jr. out of the mix, Uh, we will see where he lands. I don't have any news on that as of right now. On the Cincinnati side... Joe Mixon, good. Joe Burrow, back to earth, which I think is fine. I know it's not what you want to hear, but Joe Burrow is basically what I kind of expected him to be. He's a either front-end quarterback two or back-end quarterback one, borderline top 12 guy, basically, which means there are going to be up and down weeks. Now, he did target Jamar Chase at least 13 times in this one, so there was that. Eight targets for T. Higgins, six for 78 for Higgins. He ended up leading the way out of these receivers. And by the way, yes, you can drop Tyler Boyd. But I wasn't drafting him in the first place. I had people like yelling at me, how can you be ranking him so low? The angry fantasy guy, you know? Uh, This is why, because he's got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins on the field, along with Joe Mixon, who's going to do some stuff in the passing game as well. Uh, He had five catches, by the way, in this one. Uh, Let's go on to Denver and Dallas. I'm going to start on the Dallas side because I know it really could be very easy to panic based on what you saw, but I'm not going to panic at all because it was just an off game, and they can happen. Week 9. Was it daylight savings time? I I have no freaking clue. Like that extra hour just screwed us all up. You know what? Screw daylight savings time, all right? Like, why do... Fall back? Seriously? What? It's annoying. It's antiquated. It's antiquated. And it doesn't have to do with what people... Oh, the farmers. Farmers don't freaking care what the clock says. <laughs> they don't care. Oh, the farmers. Has nothing to do with the damn farmers. Anyway, can you tell I'm still, like, irked by yesterday? Uh, but I'm not irked by the Cowboys. Like, Dak still got it done despite this. He still ended up being... He's a number 10 fantasy quarterback. Could be a lot worse. Uh, of course, both touchdowns going to Malik Turner, just like we drew it up. Cooper was definitely a little slowed by the injury, as was C.D. Lamb. Cedric Wilson actually ended up leading them in routes run. Uh, Zeke was a little dinged up for a brief period of time here, but neither he nor Pollard did much against that tough Denver defense. On the Denver side... Javante Williams continues to outplay Melvin Gordon, and guess what? Melvin Gordon continues to outproduce him in fantasy. Williams, 17 for 111. He looked fantastic. Gordon, 21 for 80 and a score, 2 for 15. He didn't look fantastic. He looked good enough, though, and that's the problem. Melvin Gordon is good enough that Javante Williams, that breakout's probably not going to happen until next year. It's unfortunate, but it's true. 
Uh, on the at, in terms of the receivers, Jerry Judy leading the way with eight targets, caught six for sixty nine. Nice. Uh, Timmy Patrick four for eighty five. Felt like he was busier than that, but I guess it was like usually you, you know they were all basically big plays. Uh, not still not appealing. Cortland Sutton was really quiet in this one, as I expected, uh, but not not appealing to go out. I know people are going to try and chase those points with Tim Patrick. I don't like it. Houston and Miami. Speaking of things I don't like, well, sorry, I kid. I kid, Miami fans. I kid. Um, Miami. Well, Miles Gaskin did get in the end zone early. He did have twenty. Well, he had twenty six touches, twenty carries. For 34 yards. That's hard to do. He goes 6 for 23 as a receiver. He still ends up putting 17.7 PPR points up because why not? But it wasn't the best game. Gasecki had a really pretty catch in this one. He had eight, eight targets, caught four for 54. No Devontae Parker, no Tua. What do you expect here? But Jalen Waddle saw plenty of work. Eight for 83. That is a nice day in a PPR scoring format on the Houston side. Terod Taylor was back, and he looked rusty. Uh, hopefully, it didn't start him, but he definitely looked rusty. Only three for 23 as a runner, too, where he normally might be able to bail you out. He does love Brandon Cooks, though. Peppered him with 13 targets in this one. Six for 54 for Cooks. It's not terrible. You know, it's top 25, and, and I'll take it. As for the run game, it continues to be a mess. I don't know why people are rostering Rex Burkhead, though. I did actually have some people asking me about Rex Burkhead. I'm like, seriously? We don't, we're don't. we not wasting a roster spot on this dude. So it was largely David Johnson and Philip Lindsay, as we would expect. And it was largely, well, not that good, as we would expect for those guys. Moving on to uh, Atlanta and New Orleans. On the New Orleans side, Trevor Simeon was a disaster, but Alvin Kamara still ends up as a top six fantasy option. And somehow Marquez Callaway got in the end zone in this one. Kenny Stills did as well, but no real value there. Uh, the bigger news on the other side of this one, and I think that's kind of where we are with um, you know with New Orleans as long as Jameis isn't on the field. But on the Atlanta side, Cordero Patterson getting it done as a receiver, 6 for 126. You had Russell Gage, 7 for 64, so getting you know hit involved. Kyle Pitts, only 3, but for 62. And Matt Ryan, one of the better fantasy plays of the day, 343 and 2, completely not what I expected, and he ran for a very slow touchdown. Not what I expected against that New Orleans defense. Atlanta trending in the right direction at the right time. Not too shabby here. If you have a piece of this offense, you're probably sitting on that piece. Kyle Pitts, Patterson, not Zacchaeus, though, by the way. Not sustainable. Only three targets. All right, let's take a quick break, and after the break, we'll come back, talk Raiders and New York football giants. So the Raiders, uh, by the way, will be signing Deshaun Jackson, obviously filling a little bit of a role, getting a downfield speed presence in that offense, but he is very much over the hill, so no fantasy impact there. Uh, this one kind of went as I expected on that side in the passing game. A lot of Hunter Renfro, nine targets, seven for 49 in a score. A lot of Darren Waller, 11 targets, seven for 92. And Brian Edwards, nothing. Four targets, no catches, so not a huge surprise there. 
I guess the surprise would be Kenyon Drake's usage. He did have eight targets, so six for 70 as a receiver in a game where they played from behind. I still think Josh Jacobs looked just fine. He was a little dinged up in this one, but it ends up both the, both guys are top 20 options here uh, for that side. On the other side, so I don't know how the Giants won this game, but they did. Daniel Jones was not a factor whatsoever. Not, neither was Kadarius Toney or Kenny Galladay or pretty much anybody outside of the tight ends. In the passing game, Devontae Booker a little banged up out of this one. I'd expect to see Saquon Barkley back uh, next week. So we'll see what ends up happening there. But as of now, um, not much appeal to the Giants coming out of this one. Speaking of not very appealing, let's talk about Carolina and New England on the Carolina side. Well, I I will say this. While it wasn't a fantastic return to the field in terms of fantasy production for Christian McCaffrey, overall it was pretty encouraging. McCaffrey gets through the game. He puts up decent enough numbers so that if you started him, it wasn't a complete disaster. And hey, it was a complete disaster for a lot of people with a lot of players this weekend. So it wasn't a complete disaster. He uh, plays a good chunk of the snaps, plays 29 snaps, right? Not hurt. As far as I know, he didn't re-injure himself in this one. So all overall, I could take that away. They do have a problem, though. The problem is that quarterback and Sam Darnold is not the answer to the question. Now, ultimately, will that answer be P.J. Walker? Perhaps Darnold apparently is banged up. So maybe we see a change there. I just don't go go nuts over D.J. Moore just yet I know people are losing their minds over DJ Moore but eh, pump the brakes a little bit there Uh, on the New England side Damian Harris was uh, potentially concussed in this one he went 15 for 30 meh but scored the touchdown so at least bailed us out a little bit there Ramondre Stevenson also could have been concussed so we'll have to wait and see on that one he did fill in for Harris after Harris left the game and looked pretty effective in the process. If not, Brandon Bolin, who knows who touches the ball. Otherwise, there was really nothing of note from this game. Hunter Henry got in the end zone. What did he do? But John o. Smith is banged up again, so maybe more Henry going forward. Uh, one of the bigger surprises of the day, Buffalo and Jacksonville. Man, Jacksonville showed you, and I will say this till I blew in the face, you can take the best college football team whoever you think that is annually it's usually Alabama's in the conversation I know they have they lost a game this year but whoever you want to take throw them out there and uh, they could beat the Jags no they can't (laughs) and you know what it won't even be close and the Jags showed exactly why any given Sunday the Jags are they one of the worst teams in the NFL yes did they just go in and do what they did against one of the best teams in the NFL yes The difference between the best and the worst is not as significant as a lot of people make it out to be. Uh, Lawrence was banged up with an ankle, but it looks like a low ankle, so he should be fine. No James Robinson, so we saw, as we expected, a ton of Carlos Hyde. 22 touches, goes 67 on 21 carries on the ground. One for six as a receiver. It wasn't a standout day, but even to do that against that defense is pretty solid. Yet again, Jamal Agnew, while tied for the, the high among wideouts and targets with Marvin Jones, but nothing doing there. And yet again, Dan Arnold, a reasonably good play. <laughs> so keep rolling with Dan Arnold. On the Buffalo side, the sky is not falling for Josh Allen. Players go through rough patches. Hey, if, if you have somebody panicking on Josh Allen, on Patrick Mahomes, 
trade for them because hopefully you didn't draft them. Hopefully you didn't draft them like waste that early pick. Trade for them now. Now don't trade six guys for them. Buy low. Somebody's saying, oh, uh, you know, can I get Josh Allen for Kirk Cousins? I sure as hell hope not, but if you can, do it. <laughs> Just do it, man. Anyway, uh, Zach Moss was banged up in this one and was a disappointment. Regardless, a lot of Devin Singletary, who was a disappointment. A lot of Cole Beasley, but only 8 for 33. Uh, you did have Steph Diggs go uh, 6 for 85. Solid enough. And 4 for 65 on 8 targets for Emmanuel Sanders. So a little bit of a bounce back there. Uh, but a weird game. A weird game. Uh, an explosive game. Minnesota and Baltimore. Baltimore was seemed like they were dead to rights in this one, and they come all the way back thanks to some guy named Lamar Jackson. Wow. Wow. Uh, Lamar put up a massive stat line in this one, not only running for well over 100 yards, but also tossing three scores. This was vintage 2019 Lamar Jackson. Uh, the breakout continues for um, Marquise Brown. This is the real deal. The connection is there. It's going to continue. If you're telling me Marquise Brown continues to see this kind of target volume, I am all in on him. Nine on 12 targets for buck 16. Devonta Freeman put up a decent line, but I'm really wary of that because it was Minnesota who he was facing. 13 for 79, and then he had two for four and a touchdown as a receiver. I actually had to start Le'Veon Bell in a 14-team league. All right, I'll take it. 11 for 48 and a touchdown, I'll take it. It's not terrible. Uh, for Lev Bell. On the other side, uh, Dalvin Cook looked phenomenal in this game. He ripped off a couple long runs, goes for 110 on 17 carries. He had three for 12 as a receiver. I'm going to say it again. You are going to be tempted to drop Alexander Madison. There is no way in hell I would do that. No way I would do that. Justin Jefferson got in the end zone. Adam Thielen got in the end zone, but Thielen only two catches for six yards. So he took like a disaster of a day and made it like a bad day, at least with the touchdown, but at least he gave you that. Kirk Cousins continuing to produce decent numbers thanks to a rushing touchdown in this one. Uh, moving on to the Chargers and Philadelphia Eagles. Well, um, Chargers pulled this one out, but the Eagles showed maybe, you know, this is again, there was a point a couple weeks ago where they look like a disaster. They, they're a decent team, a decent enough team to at least give the Chargers a fight. Justin Herbert, back in our good graces. This shows you patience is a virtue in fantasy football, and anybody saying, Justin Herbert's killing me a couple weeks ago, now Justin Herbert is a big reason why you're probably going to win this week. Don't read into the tight end lines. Don't read into... Uh, yeah, Donald Parham and Steven Anderson. Uh, don't don't get too worried about Austin Eckler. He, he actually wasn't effective against this Eagles run defense, which normally most backs are, but I'm not worried there. And I'm, I'll tell you, I'm not worried about Mike Williams. I, I mean, I, I think heading into the season, you know, the expectation was, eh, do I really want Mike Williams? Then he explodes to start the season, and it's like, oh my God, he's elite. And now it's like, well, he stinks. And and the reality with Mike Williams is he, thankfully, is a wide receiver too. And the thing with a wide receiver too is they have high ceilings. There's no denying his ceiling. But they also can have low floors. There's no denying that with him as well. You know, somebody asked me in the FTN Discord today, why do you keep ranking him so high? Well, I had him at 18 this week. That's not that high. 
It's a mid-range wide receiver too, which is implying that there's volatility. We know that. Some guys come in and they always have a high floor and that's that, but their ceiling isn't particularly high. He's not that type of player, but baked into that being ranked 18 is a wide range. I mean, he right now he's wide receiver 42. So that's probably the bottom end of his range. The top end of his range for any given week is the number one player in fantasy. So just keep that in mind with Mike Williams. Make sure your expectations match the reality for these players. Green Bay and Kansas City, I already alluded to Patrick Mahomes. I'm not worried about Patrick Mahomes. I know a lot of people are. But we're forgetting about the larger body of work. Patrick Mahomes is a true generational player. He is a once-in-a-generation kind of guy. If you can buy low on him, I would do so. If you can buy low on Tyreek Hill, who had 11 targets, I would do so. You're not going to be able to buy Travis Kelsey low, so you know there is that. But I would buy low on this offense if I can do so. I had a caller on my SiriusXM show today say that Tyreek Hill hasn't been doing anything, and I said, hey, we're a, we're a game removed from 12 catches. How quickly we forget. He's, he's fine. Process over results. Uh, if you bought in on the Derek Gore thing, I warned against this because he didn't play any snaps barely. He played 16 last week. He only played 10 in this one. It was all Darrell Williams. I mean, it wasn't a good fantasy day, but it was clearly all Darrell Williams. Speaking of not a good fantasy day, on the other side, I mean, hey, Jordan Love did target Devontae Adams 14 times. The problem is he only connected six times for 42 yards. Uh A.J. Dillon looks like he is the 2.0 version of Jamal Williams. Four catches for 44 yards on four targets. No catches for Aaron Jones. People are pulling their hair out over Aaron Jones, but this is the new norm. They're going to use both of these guys. Now, if Rodgers is out there, it's a better day for both of them. But, of course, he wasn't, so that's where we are. Arizona, San Francisco. Uh, We didn't know earlier today when I was on air at Sirius XM but we do know now that Chase Edmonds, it is a high ankle sprain. He's certainly not going to play this week, and we don't know exactly what the timetable is, but usually that's if it's a bad high ankle sprain, it's a four- to six-week absence. So James Conner, opportunity knocks, bro. And boy, oh boy, he took off in this one. Number one fantasy running back for the week, a 40-burger, 21 for 96 and two scores, Five for 77 and a score, a monster game. And if you have James Conner, you're sitting in a good spot right now. Christian Kirk was the top wide out. That's how I thought it would be. I mean, Rondell Moore was definitely a little bit of a flyer, like a a Hail Mary type wide receiver three-ish, back end wide receiver three-ish play, more like a wide receiver four flex option. And that's kind of what he is. I mean, he did touch the ball five times, but you know, once we knew that Colt McCoy was going to be in there, it was going to be a bit of a mess. On the other side, Brandon Ayuk. <laughs> and we were only uh, nine weeks too early on Brandon Ayuk. Uh, he is, I guess, emerging here over the last couple of weeks. Had a touchdown in this one, six for 89, and actually looked like himself finally. Of course, George Kittle back, and he looked like himself. He was incredible. And definitely that was a huge relief. Debo Samuel, not his best outing, but I'll take five for 63 when you have nine targets. I know everybody wants massive performances every week, but you just don't get those. And in a game where they're playing from behind, don't expect Elijah Mitchell to have 20 carries. The more important thing here, Jeff Wilson was active and he did not play. Elijah Mitchell is still clearly the the lead back 
and Jamichael Hasty is a passing down back. But the nice thing for Mitchell, five targets, caught all five for 43 yards. Even with that bad, quote-unquote, bad performance, down performance, whatever you want to call it, he's still a top 20 back in PPR. I, I still think, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, man, he throws for over 300 yards, and I just feel like his days are numbered in this offense. I mean, a lot of that's garbage time, too. All right, rounding it out with a very surprising end to uh, a very surprising day. I guess that's on brand for yesterday. The Rams getting beat up on by Tennessee and Matthew Stafford having maybe his worst game so far with the Rams. Still threw for 294 and a score. Of course, had a couple picks here, though. Cooper Cup didn't really, wasn't really bothered by it. Another top 10 fantasy week for him, 11 for 95. Robert Woods, solid enough, 7 for 98. I'll take that out of Woods all day long. That's a top 12 week as of right now. 5 for 51 for Tyler Higby, solid. And, of course, just like we drew it up, Sony Michelle <laughs> outscoring Terrell Henderson. Sometimes you just can't get it all right. Uh, but, anyway, on the other side, we did get our answer to what does Tennessee do without Derrick Henry, and the answer is use everybody, apparently. Use Peterson, use McNichols, call Foreman up from the practice squad and use Foreman. Peterson ended up being the best fantasy scorer, but only RB32, which I think is exactly where I ranked him. I don't have my rankings in front of me right now, but he was right in that range. 10 for 21, but got the touchdown. Actually caught a ball, which is not an Adrian Peterson thing to do. McNichols ended up uh, one touch behind Peterson. Peterson had 11 touches. McNichols with 10 and Foreman with five. Foreman was not really a factor, but did eat into Peterson a little bit there. A.J. Brown, not a great fantasy day, 5 for 42, but had 11 targets, and it was a game where they didn't really need to lean on him, so I'm, I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt. Same thing with Ryan Tannehill, who did throw for a score in this one, of course, to Jeff Swaim, just like we drew it up, but uh, they actually look pretty darn good against a very good defense, so I, I'm still very, very impressed with Tennessee even without their best player. So that's good. All right, that's going to do it for today. I will be back tomorrow. We got a pretty hefty week. The rubber has met the road. We're going into double digits. We got five more weeks until the fantasy playoffs. Craziness ensuing. But I'll, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll break down the waiver wire here for Week 10 Fantasy Football. In the meantime, at Jeff Rackliff on Twitter, at Jeff Rackliff on Instagram, FTNFantasy.com. Come. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out.